0: Welcome to the Heroes and Doers podcast. I'm Becky Kaiser, and I'll be the host for this show. Do you need a space where you can show up just as you are? This is your place. Dry shampoo, crying kids, messy house, and barking dogs are all welcome here. Do you need a cheerleader who sees all your amazing potential and unique ways God's called and created you? Done, I'm signing up as captain. I'm a certified life coach and Bible teacher with decades of experience who isn't afraid to tell you the truth you need to hear. Some weeks I'll be sharing practical and encouraging and sometimes correcting shows and other weeks I'll be introducing you to new and old friends. You ready? Let's go, my friend. All right. Well, Holly, thank you so much for joining me today. We have been friends from afar and are now getting to actually connect in person. So thank you for being
1: here today. Thank you for having me.
0: Yes. Okay. Well, if anyone doesn't already know you, I thought it would be good if you could share a little bit about your life. What do you spend your days doing and who do you spend that with?
1: Yes. So I'm an author, but even more, I, my people, I have a crazy family story. So I'm married to my husband, Mark. We met in college. We've been married over 20 years now and we could not have kiddos of our own. So long story short, we ended up adopting a 20 year old. Who had wow. aged out of the foster system. And so she is now 30 and married wow. and has two littles. So we get to be very young, oh. Nina and Poppy, also. So our daughters, Lavelle, and our grandkids are Eula and Clem. So that is where I spend a lot of oh, my time these days. Do they live in your
0: same area of town?
1: They do. They live about 15 minutes away. So we do family dinner oh, on Sunday true. night. And right now we're taking Eula to dance on Thursdays and t-ball on Saturdays. So wow. all the little things that we didn't think we would ever <laughs> have to do now. You're we, getting now to experience
0: in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> awesome. I love hearing my best friend, Kelly Ramsey just released her first book and it's called Waiting and Hope. And it's She runs an infertility ministry. And so it's been, it's been interesting and hard and sweet to see her walk that journey of having she had multiple losses and struggle getting pregnant. And now they're going through adoption and Um, to see the ministry that she's running for women that have walked through that, um, has been really beautiful. So I love that you share your story with that, to allow other people to know they're not alone in that journey.
1: Yeah. We walked that road of infertility about a decade. And then the ending is totally different than we imagine, you know, but now I wouldn't change it. Like if God said, you can go back and you can have the baby, I'll give you a time machine. I would say no way, like no way. This is the family that i'm supposed that to have, supposed to have. Yeah. yeah
0: that's amazing we right before COVID, our family had um signed up to do foster care and so we were going through all the training you know it's like if you it, that children's book if you give a pig a pancake or dog a donor <laughs> or moose a muffin where it's like one thing leads to another so we were just doing it to do the um respite care where you have a kid mm-hmm. for a couple of days and once we got into it we saw the great need we were working on our certification to foster kids who were in that older category, the teens who are just stuck in group homes. And anyways, COVID happened and that kind of ceased all of that, um, for the time, but it was, it was shocking to hear the number of older kids Mm -hmm. that just age out of the system and have nothing available to them.
1: Yeah, they do at 18. They're just told, have a nice life. And I just couldn't wrap my mind around that. Like who walks them down the aisle, who helps them with their babies, who do they go to when they have career stuff going on? You know, really we have our parents, hopefully longer as adults than we do even as kids. Yeah, that's good. So I think that those kids still, their hearts need to be parented. Their physical feed me, you know, needs maybe less, but their heart needs, I think can be even greater. So even mentoring to that group is something to think about if people like I'm interested in that, even just having dinner, like our daughter hadn't gotten to have family dinner before we were part of our lives. So, yeah.
0: How did, so she had already aged out of the system. So how did you get connected with her?
1: So I saw a documentary on 2020 about this okay. about yeah. kids who age out of the foster system. And something in me was just like, that is not okay. And right. I carried that with me for years. And when people would say, Have you thought about adopting? I would say, Well, if I adopt, I'm adopting a 20 year old. And yes. finally, my friend said, Well, do you know about saving grace? And it turned out there was a transitional living home being built in our town for wow. foster girls who aged out of the system or would otherwise wow. be homeless. Yeah. So I connected with the founder and then eventually ended up meeting Lavelle through them. And wow. so that's how we first got connected. That's
0: so cool. Do you know, do a lot of cities have those transitional homes?
1: I think more are starting to at the time. Okay. I didn't know any others, but since then I've heard people say, oh, there's something like that near me. So I think that's it's cool. starting to be more common and I hope so because right. they really focus on teaching the girls life skills, how to pay your bills, how to, you know, take care of your car, how to make dinner from scratch, just different life skills as they go into adulthood.
0: Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. So if anyone's listening right now and has none of us have space or time, but if you feel like that same thing that Holly felt of like, there's something that just kind of stung just then in a, in a resonating way look, like do a quick Google search and see if your town has that, because there is a great need for that age to be seen and loved and have space provided for them. Um, okay. So you are now you're a writer a new, is it New York times, bestselling author?
1: Uh, wall street journal or wall street those. journal.
0: <laughs> well, like, what is it think? like i am I'm working on my second book. What was it? What's it like when you find out? We'll get to your books in a second, but like the day you found out, your Wall
1: Street Journal bestselling author.
0: Like, how? What was that day like for you?
1: It was really fun because my grandpa—I'm named after him, Grandpa Holly. Okay. He had a Christian bookstore when I was growing up, which is why wow. I wanted to be a writer. And yeah. the paper he read every single day until he was 93 and went home to Jesus was the Wall Street Journal. And, and that so was that, like that really was the biggest list. Yeah, that was the biggest deal to me. You know, like, yes, it was great that it hit a list, but that was the most meaningful thing yes. was it could have aww. been any list, but yeah, that
0: specific list. That's so that's so sweet. Um, My first book was with Lifeway and it was a similar story of, I I would have been happy to write for any publisher because I just really was eager to write and felt called to write. But my whole life I'd walked into, I'm not my whole, my whole Christian life since 60 and walked into Lifeway stores and spread out Bible studies and Bibles in their aisles, just trying to, and there was just something to me that was like, I just, I want, I want to write with them and for them. And so getting to have my first book with them, be on their shelves. And it was like three months before all their stores shut down. So it was just one of those sweet moments of, it could have been with anyone, but that it got to yes. be with Lifeway and I got to see it on the aisles of their store was just extra like, Lord, you were so good in the details and ways that sometimes we miss it as we are like riding the roller coaster of the rest
1: of life. Yeah. I love that. It's yeah. Well, it's just a really special Congrats to you. Feeling.
0: Thank you. Congrats to you. That's a huge, mm-hmm. huge deal. Okay. So you're an author, best-selling author, and you also are, you're a counselor, but you also now do more coaching. Is that right? hmm
1: Yes. I'm not practicing as a counselor. I still do some okay. life coaching. Yeah.
0: Okay. So what is, I, I'm a life coach as well and small business coach. What, how do you describe to people when they ask what's What's life coaching? What is that
1: like? Life coaching for me is more about focusing on the future and growth where counseling Mm -hmm. is more about the past and healing. And that's what I discovered was just a better fit. I'm so thankful for amazing counselors. I see one (laughs) myself, yes, but I feel like life coaching is just a slightly different focus. It's kind of like a a trainer, you know, who's going to say, all right, what are your goals? Where do you want to go? how can we get you from point A to point B? And that's what I really enjoy about it.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, I, life, I'm the same way. I've been in and out of a counselor's office forever and always, because there are things that we constantly need to reprocess and heal from and learn how to Mm -hmm. deal with. Um, But I love that you were, went through all the training and certification to become a counselor and then jumped Ship to coaching and seeing that's a better lane for you. I love that. Well, tell me, um, I love hearing women's journeys into their career. So how did you come into being um, a writer? You mentioned your grandpa's bookstore and then into being a counselor and how did that transition into doing life coaching?
1: Yeah. So it did start with my grandparents bookstore and I always just wanted to be a writer. My mom has my first book I wrote when I was five. (laughs) And so that was my dream. And then I went off to college and over Christmas break, the day spring card sales rep visited my grandparents bookstore and day spring. If anyone doesn't know, is a Christian subsidiary of Hallmark. And so my Nana said to the sales rep, I have a granddaughter who wants to be a writer. You know, can she say something? Yeah. Go Nana. And And so of course, sales guy who can resist a Nana. He's like, sure. So he gave her some contact information. So completely clueless. I was a 19 year old freshman no idea about anything thought, well, I'll write some cards over Christmas break and send them in. And so I sent them not knowing day spring has like a 1% acceptance rate and no idea. And they accepted some and said, it turned out they were like 30 minutes away from where I was going to college. So they said, do you want to come over and meet the team? And so I became the first ever intern at day spring.
0: Wow.
1: And wrote for them all the way through college and then ended up being there for about a decade after I graduated. Wow. And wrote for them and then launched the website Encourage, which was one of the first online women's sites uh, yes. for Christians.
0: And I was encouraged through Day Spring? Yes. Okay.
1: Yeah. So it was back when blogging was first starting, like 2008. Yeah. Like my coworker and I kept just saying, there's no sites for Christian women online, which sounds so weird. But back then Christian, today's Christian woman was publishing some of their articles online, but that was it. There was no community aspect there was. And so we asked Dayspring, can we, can we give this a shot? And they said, well, you can work on it in your free time and here's a little tiny budget. (laughs) And so (laughs) we just sort of figured it out we went to this blogging conference and our everyone else had their phones and laptops out and we had like spiral notebooks and journals (laughs) aren't even paying attention you know someone said uh you should really sign up for twitter and we were like what's twitter like that's where we were from so it was really fun to launch that and i started blogging and then around 2010 i felt like i was saying it's time to step out and start writing Mm. books full-time And I was also wrapping up my counseling degree then and seeing some clients. And so I didn't know exactly what that was going to look like, but my last day at Dayspring was a Friday and the following Monday, my publisher, Ravel, who's still my publisher over a decade later offered me a contract. And so I've been writing books for them ever since. So that's uh, amazing. That's amazing.
0: What a cool, I love hearing the pivots that God takes us on all throughout our journey where sometimes it feels like two steps forward, one step back and God will give you success. And sometimes you have to walk away from something even that's good so that God can do something totally new and different. What a cool opportunity. And then it came through like a sales guy walking into your grandparents
1: bookstore. Yeah, totally random. <laughs> I love it. But not love, at all.
0: Not random. And it kind of it speaks to that that balance of feeling like sometimes we need to just try less to make God's quote unquote will will for us happen and trust that if he wants this for you, the goodness of the father will come and grab you and pull you into it. But you still have to have obedience and faith, just like you still had to turn in those cards and you still had to follow through on it. Um, but I love the proof in your story of God will find you and use you no matter where you are, no matter which circumstances you find yourself.
1: Yeah. And I think also it's okay to be clueless. I mean, when yeah. I look back, when I started That's writing for taste rain I was clueless, like, yeah. I know so much more now than I did when I started in courage. I didn't That's know good. everything that probably an expert would have told me I needed to. Yes. Even yeah. writing books, I remember I just kept reading books on writing until my editor my editor yeah. finally said, "Holly, stop reading those books and just <laughs> write yours." <laughs> And so I, in general, like to be prepared and feel like I have things at least somewhat figured out before I move yeah. forward, but that just has not been God's journey for me. It's been yeah. just take the next small step that I'll give you what I need. You need then. And then repeat, repeat, repeat. Yeah. And so someone's listening and thinking there's something in my heart I really want to do, but I'm not sure I'm ready. Like you're ready enough. Right. You know? You're ready enough. That's good. And Clueless is sometimes the place where God works the most, I think. (laughs) Yeah.
0: I feel like social media is like a big um, hindrance for so many of us because we see, we see the Wall Street Street Journal authors and we see the the theaters packed out with all these people or we see the person who's on the fast track with their career. We see the family that looks perfect and happy all the time. And when we see that, we start to disqualify ourselves of like, well, I have too far to go to catch up, so I won't even try. And I love your encouragement, Holly, of just telling women, you don't have to have it all together at the beginning. You can be clueless. You were clueless. And every new step, we continue to be clueless, even with experience now. Um, so thank you for sharing that with women. And also, I feel like, too, um, that sometimes we feel like we need to know for certain where God's going with something and trusting in his goodness that if you take a step of faith in the wrong direction, that a loving father will steer you back around again. And he's clearly guided your steps in all of that. Okay, you have a new book coming out. Yes. Yes. Um, so it's called introvert by design, a guided journal for living with new confidence and who you're created to be. Tell me why, what in you felt like this book needed to be written. And it's different than other kinds of books you've written before. Cause it's that guided journal process. So tell us a little bit about the book, but I also want to hear like, what made you be like, this has to be written.
1: Yeah. Well, I discovered I was an introvert in college through a campus ministry. And I remember exactly where I was. It was one of those like Polaroid moments where I can still picture it exactly. (laughs) And I thought, wow, there are other people wired like me and it's okay. And that was such an aha moment. And then when I started speaking and writing and doing all the things, I told myself, I need to be someone I'm not, I have to be Mm. an extrovert. And I pushed myself into burnout through that. And God really, at one point was like, go home to who I created you to be. Yeah. No, I, I intentionally made you an introvert. And so that started me on a journey of researching everything I could about what it actually means to be an introvert. Yeah. And that turned into my book, the powerful purpose of introverts, which was really like a biblical perspective plus brain science and tools. Yeah. And then this new one, introvert by design is like the boots on the ground follow-up to that. So okay. it's mostly new content, but it's very interactive. It's a guided journal. So every day there's encouragement, but also like space for reflection. You record okay. what energizes you, what drains you. You do have a do what you can plan. Just a lot of how do I apply what I've yeah. learned about being an introvert in a sustainable day-by-day way.
0: Wow. That's so needed (laughs) and so helpful. I'm an extrovert, but my husband and many of my friends are introverts. So as an introvert, what would you say? Because I do feel like this world is set up for extroverts. Don't you think that in many ways that it's almost more celebrated to be extroverted and introverted can, can come across and, um, What's the word? more negative seemingly way like it's the lesser of the two? So what do you wish people who maybe aren't introverted knew that we don't we don't probably know?
1: Yeah. Well, it's true that we are in an extrovert dominant culture. What's interesting is that is not universal worldwide. It's not universal throughout history either. Like most Asian cultures are introvert dominant. And so the reverse is true in those cultures. It's looked on more favorably to be an introvert. So it's interesting even to know, like there's some context to how introverts and extroverts are viewed. And then when this statistic, I can't say that word very well, uh, statistically, statistically speaking, yeah. half the population is made up of introverts and half extroverts. So okay. it was fascinating to me to discover that there are a lot of really well-known introverts like Oprah Winfrey is an introvert, yeah. Joanna Gaines, uh. Jerry Seinfeld. There's a lot of people that you wouldn't think, oh, they're an introvert, but they are. Yeah. They are. And being an introvert is really about brain and nervous system wiring. It's about how we process our external environment. So there's a lot Mm. of actual physical differences. So I think it's important for extroverts to know that, that like, this isn't just a preference that my person has. This is actually how they're wired by God. Yeah. Yeah. And so that can be helpful to know, for example, introverts use a longer, more complex brain pathway for processing. So we actually need a little bit longer to think about things. Yeah. Sometimes when we're trying to make small talk, that's really quick. That can be a space that's not quite as comfortable for us. Hmm. So that's just one example. But I was fascinated to find that introverts and extroverts experience happiness differently. And because of... So extroverts, y'all rely more on this neurotransmitter called dopamine. That's kind of like caffeine, like it revs you up. It's a high action. And so for you, happiness is likely to feel more like enthusiasm and excitement. So there's a lot going on. So for introverts, we rely more on a neurotransmitter called acetylcholine that makes happiness feel more like calm and contentment, less going on. And so that's helpful to know because yeah. extroverts can say, oh, my introverts is sitting there calmly. Something must be yeah. wrong. I yes. need to help them have more fun. Yes. When actually they're happy or the reverse, you know? So it's helpful to know, to go to your people. Well, say, you might've just like <laughs> saved my whole
0: marriage. In that <laughs> <one>. <laughs> <laughs> that's so, so There are so many times my husband will just be, like sitting on the couch and he's fine. I'll be like, are you upset about something? He's like, no, I'm fine.
1: Yeah. That's, that's the funny. introvert version of happy. So that's, <laughs> that's a happy introvert right there. We're just calm, content, hanging out. Things are peaceful. So can I even encourage people go to those in your life and say, okay, describe what happy feels like to you without using the word happy. you know? And so often you get the extroverts like excited, fun, you know, and the introverts like calm, peaceful. So that can even be a little exercise to do with your spouse or kids or friends to find out what does happiness actually feel like to you?
0: Yeah. Wow. That's so interesting. What do you feel like for introverts? Like what, what helps them get to that place of happy and peaceful? What are things that, our society obviously doesn't set up for them it's as an extroverted society. So what are things that you've learned as an introvert and I've r- realized in your study is of introverts that help them feel more themselves and more
1: at peace. I would say having space for processing and reflection and rest because our nervous systems are kind of like nets. So if you think of okay. nervous systems kind of like a net with small holes, we take in a yeah. lot. Like we notice yeah. everything, so our nets get full. So that's why an introvert needs space on their own to be able to process and sort of empty that and then they're ready for more. And okay. so that's what's going on when an introvert says, "Hey, I need some space." It's actually not that's- at all about other people. It's about a reset for their nervous system. So having that and then meaningful connection, most introverts really need meaningful connection. It's introverts and extroverts love people equally and need people Mm. equally. They just often prefer to engage in different ways. Like an introvert might like coffee with one friend talking, you know, in a, a deep way more than like a dinner party where there's a lot right. more going on as far as just in the external environment. And so, and that's a stereotype, of course, extroverts yeah. like meaningful connection to Yes, you. of course. But as far as style of communication and connection, yeah. often introverts really thrive when they have meaningful connection in their lives. That's
0: so good. I, I love that you specifically said, they love people equally. They love people just as much, but that they express it and that that's kind of fostered differently between the two types. And um, I hope somebody who's an introvert and listening to this today feels that, that release of like, okay, I, I am loving people equally just because it doesn't look like others doesn't mean it's wrong. And I also help for my fellow extroverts that we can then also say, Okay, they are loving equally. Just because they don't love the same way I do doesn't mean it's not loving. It's just different.
1: Yeah. I think that's especially important for Christian introverts because our current church culture is also extrovert dominant. Most Mm -hmm. things are group activities with a lot going on, like worship services are usually loud. You know, there's a lot, or you're expected to go on a mission trip or sign up for a small group. Like so much is group oriented and I yeah. struggled with this and also talked to so many introverts who are like, what is wrong with my faith? You know, mm-hmm. that I don't feel closest to God at church and it doesn't have anything to do with our faith. It has to mm-hmm. do with what environment we're best yeah. able to engage with God with. So an That's extrovert's going to feel connected with all that energy and people yeah. and being outwardly engaged. And that is a yeah. healthy, good God-given thing. Yeah. But introverts are more likely to feel spiritually connected when they can turn inward, when yeah. everything gets quieter, when they can focus yeah. more deeply. Like and yeah. historically, if you walk into St. Paul's cathedral, uh-huh. immediately everyone drops their voices, slows yeah. their pace, becomes more reflected. Everyone starts acting like introverts. And Mm. so throughout church culture, there's been, I think, a better balance of the two, the outward focused worship, evangelism, gathering, you know, to break bread, but also the spiritual disciplines of reflection and solitude, Mm -hmm. you know, meditation, the more inward focus. So it is okay as an introvert, if you need to make some adjustments spiritually, Yeah. Get what you need to be fed. There's nothing wrong with your faith. It's just about how you're wired and we need those gifts too. Yeah.
0: That's so good and so helpful. So you're the devotion, the guided journal introvert by design. When does it release officially? May 9th. May 9th. You are right around the corner. How are you feeling this like moment right before it's released into the hands of people?
1: I'm glad it's going out there just because I love hearing from introverts who say, Oh, wow. Like there's nothing wrong with me. You know, I hear that so often. Like I thought I needed to change who I am and knowing that God made me this way on purpose and that I have strengths and gifts that are needed. That's really satisfying to me as an author to know that I can be a part of someone's journey in that way. Yeah.
0: That's so great. And I love that, like you had talked about for introverts, what I heard you saying is that they need that internal processing. And so how perfect to have a book that's not just a book about introverts, which you've written before this very information packed, but to give them a guided journal to help them realize who they are, to help them have more confidence with the way God's created them to be. So Um, that that's genius to provide that I'm going to order it, pre-order it for my husband as soon as we get off (laughs) this call, because he always has said like journaling is where he feels the most like himself. And that's been something I've not quite understood completely, even though I love to journal too. Um, so I'm excited that you've created a resource that is going to help him be himself too. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay. You have another book that I think is while only 50% of our listeners are probably extroverts or introverts, um, most of us deal with anxiety and stress, whether it's anxiety on a big scale or anxiety in a day-to-day. So you have another book called What Your Mind Needs for Anxious Moments, which is beyond relevant for (laughs) this current season. Just the other day, we had some friends over for dinner and several of them were sharing Holly, they were just saying, I have never dealt with anxiety before, but I just feel it more now than ever. And I, as they were processing and sharing, I, it made me wonder, you know, I wonder is, you know, like for COVID for so many of us life just shut down completely. Mm-hmm. And then when we came back, we, we were like, okay, we're going to keep it pared down. That was a good sifting moment for so many of us, but now things are being added back in again. And it's just getting busier and busier again. Um, and I wonder if like our bodies are just struggling to readjust and, um, I mean, what are your thoughts on, on why, why do you see that too? That there's yes. a, a trend of more or people just talking about it more and it's yes. not actually more.
1: No, it's more when they, whenever I've looked at research on it since COVID, the rates of anxiety are significantly up like 25 wow. to 33%, much higher. I think what happened was we got thrown into fight or flight mode in a way that we never have before. Even things that had been safe all our life that we never thought twice about. I'm going to the grocery store. Like, when has that ever Mm. made you nervous? (laughs) You know, suddenly even things like that were uncertain. And also the whole world experienced it at once. So there wasn't Mm. like a group of people who said, oh, yeah, I've totally been through this. I can help you figure it out. It's going to be fine. Or this group Mm. over here is anxious, but this one's having the time of their lives. Like We as humanity went through something hard and scary together. And I do think we're still figuring out what life looks like after that. And so it makes sense to me that all of us, those of us who naturally struggle with anxiety, but also people, I've heard a lot of people say what you did. I've never struggled with this before. And now I do that we're figuring this out together.
0: Wow. That's, that's really good. So how do you feel like Christians, especially struggle to admit that they have anxiety?
1: Yes, I do. Because I think we have come to believe anxiety is all bad (laughs) and it's not, I say there's a difference between biblical anxiety and biological anxiety. So Mm. every human has biological anxiety. It's our flight or fight response. It's necessary to keep us alive. (laughs) If we were never anxious about anything, you know, if a tiger runs into the room, you and I need to pay attention and be anxious about (laughs) that. So God was like, here you go. Here's this system that's going to help you out with that. That's good. And that is normal, natural. We need it. And then biblical anxiety, when we hear, don't be anxious, we can think, oh, that means it's a command. And if I feel anxious, Mm -hmm. I'm doing something wrong. But when Mm. I look deeper, the verses where God is saying, do not fear to someone are almost always to someone who's already afraid. Mm. So that is not a rebuke. It's a reassurance. God knows Mm. we're going to have anxiety. We are not in trouble with him for that. He is saying, don't be anxious the way you would to a kid. If your kid wakes up scared in the middle of the night and you go in and say, don't be afraid. You're not yelling at them. You're saying, You're yeah. not in this alone. It's mm. going to be okay. Let me help you with this. And mm. so I think a lot of Christians experience false shame and guilt around anxiety because yeah. they hear God saying, Don't be anxious. And yeah. he's not saying that, he's saying, Don't be anxious like i will work through this with you. Yeah. So i think that's one important shift for us to make is to understand that we are not in trouble for anxiety. God yeah. wants us to come to him for help with it. Wow,
0: well, that's really that makes me want to do like a deep dive study into those passages that talk about fear and talk about anxiety because i'd be very interested to even Study the original words of those in the context in the, when they were spoken of, I wonder if it, if maybe they even don't, don't actually literally translate to don't fear don't, but that's our easiest way to translate it. But it means a little bit more like what you were saying, of, you don't have to fear because I am here. Like I'm here now it's okay. Um, that's really, really interesting, Holly. I am truly going to be studying that. I want to hear what you find. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's really, it's interesting. And I think it's, I love what you said in that and that you pointed to those passages because I feel like we read those and we think, okay, I need to just trust God. And so what I see, at least in my world of doing a lot of women's ministry stuff, I see just so many women put on the like praise face is what I call it. Like the I'm blessed (laughs) and Jesus praise hands up of we feel like even in the midst of a cancer diagnosis or a husband's affair or no money in the bank account that we have to be like, but it's okay. God's got it. And we feel like it's like almost this fake it to you make it mentality of if I can just say the right things, then at least I appear okay. Or maybe God will think I'm trusting him. Then But what I'm hearing you say is it's okay to experience that fear. It's okay to experience that anxiety. And what you share in the book isn't that you should not have those feelings, but it's that God can guide you through the feelings. Is that right?
1: Yes. I think it's helpful to think of our emotions, including fear as messengers. That's Mm -hmm. all they are. They're not good or bad. They are just coming to us with a message like cancer is scary. I'm devastated because my marriage is broken. I don't know how I'm going to pay the grocery bill. Like these are real concerns that fear is talking to us about. And so it is okay for us to listen to what that messenger has to say. It's often something really valuable that we need to know, like I'm hurt and I'm going to need some help healing or there are needs in my life that I need help meeting And so listening, instead of just saying, oh, I'm going to shove that away, I'm going to ignore it, I'm going to deny it, I'm even going to shame myself for it, I think can be helpful. And then once we understand, okay, this is what I'm actually dealing with. This is what my fear yeah. is telling me. Then we can decide, okay, what am I going to do about that? Do mm-hmm. I need to make an appointment with my counselor? Do I need right. to call a friend for support? Do I need a nap? Yeah, <laughs> I need some time in God's word and some prayer. Like yeah. what is it that I actually want to do with this? Yeah. And so I think that can be a helpful transition in saying like fear itself is neutral. It's just part yeah. of being human it's telling us something important. There is a threat. That's what fear and anxiety tell us something that matters to me feels at risk in some way. Mm -hmm. That might Mm be a relationship, a job, our self-esteem, something that matters to me is at risk in some way. And so Mm -hmm. it's important to listen to that. It's important to make space for it because then we can decide, okay, is this risk real? If it is, what support and care do I need to manage that risk? So we don't want fear to be, I say fear is a bad boss, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but it's a good messenger, you know? Uh, And so we just don't want to feel controlled by our fear, which is the invitation God gives us to It's not, don't ever experience it. It's with me. You don't have to be controlled by it. And that is where we can find hope even in the middle of our anxiety. Yeah. Someone needs
0: to put that line on a post-it note on their bathroom mirror. Fear is a bad boss, but a good messenger. I, I think there will be several people pulling their car over to the store or writing it down as they're folding laundry that they need to remember. Fear is a bad boss, but a good messenger. Well, this has gone way too fast for me because I'm loving getting to chat with you. I wanted you to share before we start wrapping up you have a podcast as well called more than small talk that you have with your friends, Susie Eller and Jennifer, Jennifer Watson. How did you decide to put this podcast together and do it with friends? And how does that work?
1: Yeah. So again, it's funny. It's a story like the other ones. We started out doing Facebook live videos when they first launched so we were fun. Friends and it was back. You couldn't even shoot horizontal back then only vertical. So we're like on each other's laps. One time we, we were green, like I still don't know how we did that. One time we were sideways, like we had all the mishaps That's and then the we ended up connecting with our local Christian radio station and they wanted to have okay. a podcast. And so we actually partner with them to do it. So we go into their studio to record and then they help us wow. with some the technical things. And so we've been doing it over four years now and wow. it's really, really fun. We just... It is just three friends talking about things that matter and we want to go deeper. So, that it has been a fun adventure. It's one of the things I do that I forget is work. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's work because it still just feels like hanging out with two of my dearest friends.
0: Yes, that's so amazing. That's so fun. So, everybody, if since you obviously already listen to podcasts, be sure to go subscribe to More Than Small Talk and you can get to know. Um, Holly and her friends, Susie and Jennifer, a little bit better. I am, We have to wrap up now. Unfortunately, I've loved getting to know you so much. Why don't you, so this podcast is called Hearers and Doers, and it's based off of the verse in James 1.22, but be doers of the word, not hearers only. So I'm going to ask you a couple of questions, but you don't have to answer in a spiritual way, even though <laughs> it's based off of scripture. The first question is, Is there something that you are hearing right now that you're loving?
1: Yes. My podcast co-host Susie Eller has her own Uh podcast as well called prayer starters. So it's three minutes long and she offers a few minutes of encouragement based on a scripture and then gives you a prayer prompt. And so that's how I've been starting my day every day. And yeah. really good. Cause it feels like three minutes. Okay. No matter what is going on in my world, yeah. I can do that. So prayer starters by Susie Eller has been really what a great idea.
0: That's awesome. That's so fun. Okay. Prayer starters, Susie Eller. And then is there anything that you've been doing that you'd recommend for others to try?
1: So I made my word for the year, many adventures. Oh. And so I was in a challenging season and I thought I cannot wrap my mind around doing anything big right now. So I'm just going to do mini adventures. So I've done like a watercolor class and a charcuterie one. Like I went to the park one day. They can be really small. I stopped yeah. at a chocolate shop that I driven past 10, different times. And then if you say your word is mini adventure, then people tell you what you should do, which is really fun. So people are like, did you know there's a coffee shop on this trail or this new restaurant just opened? You should try it. A friend texted me yesterday. I have some new mini adventures for you. And so that has been really fun. I'm not good at having fun. (laughs) So that has been helpful to me. And also to be like, okay, these are all small things. Like I can yes. wrap my mind around this. Yeah. I can't wrap my mind around a lot of big things right now. But yeah, I can, I can handle a mini adventure. You
0: can handle a mini. What <laughs> And fun. I'm like, I want to start a new work for the year and start it on April 26th. That's so fun <laughs> to have mini adventures. And it I love that it does take the pressure off where you don't have to do so much. Um Okay, Holly, I've loved getting to talk with you. Can you tell everybody how they can? What's the best way for people to connect with you?
1: Yes, they can find me at hollygirth.com. So my name is H-O-L-L-E-Y G-E-R-T-H, spelled a little differently. So I would love for people to stop by there and have more about the anxiety book, a free download, a quiz for introverts, all kinds of stuff over there.
0: Your website is so great because you do have so many free downloads and that introvert quiz. I think it's just so fun. Quizzes are fun. I feel like it takes me back to my teenage days. Yes. of like getting 17 <laughs> magazine in the mail and getting to go through quizzes. So I love when people offer quizzes. That's awesome. And we'll be sure to link to Holly's Instagram and her website and the new book coming out all in the show notes too. Holly, thank you so much for coming on today. I really appreciate it. Thanks again for having me. James 1 in the ESV says, be doers of the word and not hearers only, or the message translation says it even more bluntly, don't fool yourself into thinking that you are a listener when you are anything, but letting the word go in one ear and out the other act on what you hear. This podcast is called "Hearers and doers because that's the kind of people we are committing to becoming women or men who choose to not just hear what is true, but actually live it out in our day-to-day lives. I'd love to hear your big takeaways from today's episode. Would you share them? Post them on social media and be sure to tag me at Becky Kaiser. And if you love today's episode, don't forget to give it an awesome review because that helps others find the show too. And you can always text the link to friends so they don't miss it either. Hope you have an awesome rest of your day, my friend. Love you so.